Welcome on what is a terrible, terrible weather day in Columbia, Missouri, to another edition of Triple Threat here on KCOU 88.1 FM, Columbia, online at kcou.fm, and of course, streaming live on the TuneIn app. My name's Kyle Jones. I am joined once again by Cole Tusing. Chance Sticklin, sick today. We put him on the IR um, and we brought in his replacement, Gerald Hopkins. How you doing, Jerry? Doing good. Uh, thanks for having me. I'm surprised it's coming in last minute, but always in time. Yeah, we're going to tag you in and be all good. Anyhow, we got a great show for y'all this week. College football, of course, getting you ready for the homecoming game against Ole Miss. Mizzou taking on the Rebels at Faro on Saturday. And then some NFL news and of course, what's your take and our favorite moments in sports from the past week? So make sure to uh, not touch that dial because we got a good show. Let's start things out, Cole, with some college football. So we got some interesting games this week. Alabama A&M at Kyle Field. There's been quite a bit of talk lately about how truly formidable Kyle Field actually is. Um... Game Day crew had some choice words to say about it. Um, I'll I'll make a dispute with that later. Um, Florida LSU also on tap. Michigan State, Wisconsin, a big one. Of course, the Red River Red River rivalry. O U U T. USC Notre Dame always a fun one as well. Penn State Iowa has the chance to be a great game. What what are y'all's thoughts, boys? Let's start with A and M and Alabama at Kyle Field. Um, Jerry, are you, I know you, you, you're a big football guy, aren't you? Yeah, I, I'm okay at it. Not great, but. What are you, uh, what are you, what are you looking for out of this game? Um, I'm really going to see A&M's defense. Uh, we already know that Alabama is considered best team in the country, number one in the rankings and, um, A&M's 24th. So it's going to be a big game, of course, for A&M. They're at home. This is a chance for Kyle Field to prove being the 12th man if they actually are. And, um, really you want to see if A&M can stop Tula and his team. Because they've been tearing everybody else up. Yeah, and historically A&M just not great against Alabama. Um, you know, we, they they had the one year um, against Alabama in Tuscaloosa, where um, where Johnny Football played his magic and Mike Evans saved his bum, and suddenly they beat Bama in Bama. But since then, I mean, that that was kind of a, a kick in the mouth for Alabama, I think. That's how that's how I've always kind of seen it because A&M hasn't come close since. Um I mean the the rumor of the te- the rumor of the 12th man's death has been greatly exaggerated. Um I think I think the college game day crew were incredibly out of pocket for even suggesting that it's not a formidable place to play. This is a stadium that Clemson almost lost in last season, should have lost in last season. This is a stadium that, you know, t- teams come into Kyle Field and they, they come out different. It forces you to play, you know, at your very best. You know, and Alabama will not win this football game if they're not at their very best. Um, so I, I'd like to see, I'd li- you know, you mentioned the defense. I'd, I'd love to see what the defense does. Um, 
but I am afraid because of Tua. And Tua, I think, is going to be the big difference maker. Cole, uh, what do you think about this one? Yeah, you know, definitely talk about a lot about AM. Of course, you're the AM fan, and AM literally has one, if I'm not mistaken, the hardest schedule in college football. It is. They have to play Clemson, they have to play Georgia, they have to play Alabama, they have to play LSU. So, definitely a hard schedule, and definitely not working the Aggies favor as well. Nick Saban is 17 0 against former assistants, and the point margin is 27 in favor of Alabama whenever he plays against a former assistant. Yeah, of course, Jimbo Fisher leading the Aggies. Um, but, of course, Jimbo Fisher, you know, the, the, the big kind of news, the big kind of deal when A&M brought him in was this was going to be the guy to, you know, win the football games. And, you know, sometimes he has. Um, and sometimes he's gotten very close and just haven't. And, you know, he just hasn't done it. The, uh, the the Clemson game last season, an example of that, that was a game that, frankly, he should have won. The Aggies were in a position to win. Um, yeah, they got, you know, bulldozed over by what I think is the stupidest call in football, the, the fumble out of the corner of the end zone. I think that's, you know, the fact that that's a touchback is very dumb. Um but then, you know, look at Auburn, and, you know, A&M just rolled over and died against the Auburn Tigers. That, that just did not look good. Um, so th- this is this has to be the, you know, you don't have to win against Alabama. No one's expecting you to win against Alabama. But for the love of God, please just put up a fight, you know? And here's the thing about A&M and Alabama before we move on to the next game. Kellen Mond was someone who we talked to Kyle and I talked a lot about last year, how he's an underrated quarterback and he's one of the best in the SEC. Now taking a look at it, he is not the same quarterback compared to what he was last year. He, he doesn't have the same sort of stuff. It, 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 it looks like he's been, you know, something has changed and he's not the same guy. Um, four interceptions already, 117 for 181, 10 touchdowns after you know, five games. That's terrible. That's like two touchdowns a game. You you know, last season the guy was you know was running up on people and scaring the crud out of folks. You know, this season he, he is it's like he's been found out. Um, it's like second it's like second year Johnny Manziel. You know, after after Johnny Manziel won the Heisman, everyone figured his stuff out, and then he was kind of garbo for the rest of his career. You know, um, Kellen Mond needs to be better. <laughs> frankly. I don't know if that's a Jimbo issue. I don't know if that's a him issue, but he needs to change something. On to the next one. Florida LSU in Tiger Stadium in Death Valley. Um, I think I think this is a foregone conclusion, frankly. Um I, I I just I don't see I don't see Florida winning this football game. I know they're great, but I mean this is this is an undefeated LSU team who has looked unbeatable in Death Valley. And you don't mess with that. Jerry, uh, your thoughts on Florida LSU? I hate to be boring, but I have to agree with you. LSU is just scary this year. One of the things LSU doesn't usually do is have a good offense. You don't have a fire quarterback who's dropping touchdowns and and pocket passes that just look great. But this is the year that they have that. And usually LSU has that stifling defense that keeps them in games and can win win some most of their games. When you're dropping 30 and stopping teams from getting 20, it's hard to beat. They really have looked unbeatable. LSU really, five is almost, I think, they ranked, I think, fifth right now. Yeah, I, I honestly think that might be too low. It could be. I could see him being at least in the top four. I think um, if they keep this up, I take a one-loss LSU team, with their one-loss being Bama, 
So I, I take them over a over an you know a one loss Georgia who goes and wins who goes and loses in the national championship. Yeah. Frankly, or not in that, rather in the SEC championship. If I had to pick two SEC teams to go to the college football playoff, I would genuinely take Alabama and LSU, and I would leave Georgia out despite them going to the SEC championship. Yeah, uh, Georgia's a great team. I'm not going to sit here and act like they're not, but LSU's just scary, and they're in the, I think, the harder part of the SEC. They so. are. I mean, the SEC West is the so, hardest conference in college football. So if you can go anywhere near and be number two and a strong number two in the West compared to being a kind of a good number one in the East, it's going to make a big difference. And they're kind of going to get screwed by being in the West, absolutely, because of it. But still, LSU's just a very scary team. They're going to take care of Florida, especially at home. Cole, or Joe Burrow and the Tigers going to do exactly that, or you think something different is going to happen? So, you know, I definitely like how Joe Burrow, and I definitely agree that he is definitely in the running for the Heisman. He's looked great so far. He has 22 touchdowns, three interceptions. So far, he's thrown nearly 2,000 yards already. So he's definitely a great quarterback, definitely not a quarterback I definitely saw in the preseason to be in the Heisman running, especially when you have two. You have Trevor Lawrence, you have um, Justin Herbert, I guess all those other quarterbacks, but the spread right now is 13 favor of LSU. I was surprised to see Florida beat Auburn, but I don't think they will come out of Death Valley alive. So I'm give, I'm going to LSU here. Yeah, I mean it just makes sense. It just makes sense. Florida just Florida is never a team that does it for me. Honestly, every me single neither. year they they always are way too overrated in my eyes. Um, next matchup, some uh, some Big Ten bust. Michigan State versus Scani. I think Michigan State's Garbo, and I think Scani is one of the best teams in the nation. Uh, so I'm going Wisconsin. I have to go Wisconsin. Michigan State is on a down year, but never count out Michigan State. They're weird. They're they just a weird. very weird team that could pop out of nowhere and beat somebody. That's the one thing yeah. about the Big Ten. Outside of, I think, really Ohio State, every team could beat every team on a given week. They're usually pretty ugly. The refs usually don't care. So there's a lot of extra hits here and there. And that's one of the beauties of Big Ten football. Um, I think it's good. It's a game where Wisconsin should win, and they're going to be favored to win. But still, don't count out Michigan State. They're just a very awkward team that every once in a while they'll bust out and have a great defensive game and then just drop enough points to win. You're absolutely right. I just think, I mean, goodness gracious, the way that Wisconsin is playing number eight does not suit them, frankly. I mean, the way Taylor has been running, you know, 103 carries for 745 yards, 12 touchdowns. Guy's a beast. Guy's a beast. You know, they're averaging 43 points a game. And that's not even against, like, you know, like their schedule. Look at their opponents. Not all those guys are cupcakes. You know, UCF, not a cupcake. You know, that's 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 some, you know, that's not like your you know FCS school that you kill. You know, Central Michigan, they're bad. But that's some Mac play. You know, it's not like they're out of the Sun Belt. You know, and they beat Central Michigan 61 to nothing. You know, they beat Michigan 35-14, and really those 14 points were garbage time. They beat Northwestern 24-15. These guys are unstoppable. Kent State 48-0. They're coming off an absolute destruction. Yeah, Michigan State's always overrated. They really are. And Jim Harbaugh just gives – Jim Harbaugh's khakis give him a rating. That's all. Exactly. And w- w- Wisconsin – I, I'm genuinely, I'm genuinely convinced of this. It's going to be Wisconsin, Ohio State to decide who, you know, who goes out of the Big Ten and whoever wins the Big Ten conference is going to the college football playoff. Oh yeah, those two, they are the two best teams in the Big Ten. But Cole, the Big Ten is just scary. Cole, you're the Northwestern fan. You're our Big Ten guy. Uh, what, what do you think of Scani and what do you think of the of, of Sparty? 
I mean, I definitely like the pick where it's, you know, Wisconsin definitely in camp Randall, Jonathan Taylor, you know, playing out of his mind right now. So obviously give me Wisconsin here. Michigan State, of course, lost to Ohio State. That was the college game day last week. And Michigan State, honestly, even though for all of Michigan being over a, especially this year, like Michigan State's big win this year is probably going to be when they play against Michigan. Honestly, yeah. I, I think that's a, I think it's a fair shout. Moving on, Red River rivalry, OUUT, um, and I mean this is this is an interesting one because you've got an OU team that you know if you if you look at them, Jalen Hurts. I mean that's all you guys say, Jalen Hurts. Um, but then when you look at Texas, I mean Sam Ellinger's working, Kevin Ingram's working, you know Duvernay's working. They're they're getting you know they're getting forty one point eight points per game. They're you know they're allowing quite a few yards, um, but most of it through the air. Their rush defense very solid. Um, Oklahoma favored by ten and a half. Now I think that that's I think that's wrong, frankly, mostly because these games are always very close. These games are always like a touchdown or a field goal difference. And the entire talk all week long surrounding this game is that Jalen Hurts said that he doesn't, you know, he thinks he's ready for the atmosphere because he played in the Iron Bowl. And UT fans are like, this, this ain't, this ain't the SEC, you know. This, this is Texas. This is Texas. Um, and frankly, they're wrong. <laughs> my, my kind of, my kind of reaction to that is, you know, shut up, T-Sip. That's that. That's what. Uh, that's what. That's what Aggies call UT people. We call them T-sips. Um But anyway, because because Jalen Hurts has played in the Iron Bowl and won. Um, and and the, and you know, the Iron Bowl is the best rivalry game in college football. Red River rivalry is fun. It's great. You go to the Texas State Fair. You see Big Tex. You, you go to the Cotton Bowl Stadium. You you know you sit on what might be the worst environment to play college football in because that stadium is like old and decrepit and terrible. Um, and then you watch two teams who really hate each other beat the crud out of each other. Um, but this season it's going to be close. But I think Oklahoma is going to beat the crud out of Texas just a little bit more. Yeah. Um- Texas, this is a big game. Not, I really, I think Oklahoma's going to win. I'm just going to throw that out here now. But this is an important game, not just for Texas, but everyone who plays Texas in the future. Because if Texas keeps this game close, win or lose, if they win by seven or lose by seven, it's really going to see how other teams use it as their, for their schedule strength. Yes. If they get destroyed by Oklahoma uh, when uh, LSU beat Texas, it's not going to look as impressive. So I, as much as this game is going to be fun, it's a huge rivalry, I look at this as, how is this going to affect other teams' schedules and their strengths of schedules for the other teams they play throughout the year? Cole, who wins the Red River rivalry? So I guess when you take a look at this, Oklahoma being undefeated, of course, Jalen Hurts may be one of the best quarterbacks in the nation right now. Texas, their only loss was a seven-point loss to LSU down in Texas. And Kyle, you mentioned how the Iron Bowl is probably the best rivalry in college football. This may just be, you know, I come from a Michigan family, but I would argue the game Michigan-Ohio State is just right up there with it's, one it's, of the best rivalries. It's in right up football. there. It's right up there. Um, UTA&M used to be right up there, but but my goodness, but, I, I mean, involves something else. When you take a look at this game with, between Oklahoma and Texas, this is just my opinion. Whoever wins this shuts the other team out of the college football playoff. Yes. Whoever, whoever wins this wins the Big 12. Um, and whoever wins the Big Twelve, that the, the only the only team who will be considered for the C, for the CFP 
out of the Big 12 is the champion of the Big 12. It's it's not it's not a two-team conference like the SEC, you know. Like the, honestly the SEC is the only conference that should get consideration for two teams to go in. You know? Unless unless Michigan had and and they they clearly haven't. If they had evidence to us that they could be just as good as Ohio State, then I'd say maybe the Big 10 gets two-team consideration. If Wisconsin does it, then maybe. If, if we go into the Big Ten Championship weekend with Wisconsin and Ohio State both being un, you know undefeated, then maybe I say that. But, I mean, at, right now, SEC is the only conference that deserves two teams to potentially go in. Whoever wins this game is going to win the Big 12, and that would be potentially the Big 12's representative in the CFP. Let's move on to... Um, few more matchups one very close and endeared to Cole's heart uh USC versus Notre Dame uh Cole bad news Notre Dame's gonna win this football game prove me wrong I am I'm not gonna prove you wrong I for all of USC's problems with the depth chart with injuries with the quarterback with not looking great against so far anybody especially in the Pac-12 like give me Notre Dame here especially it being played in South Bend Jerry I hate to be. I'm. I'm boring. I'm sorry. I'm a bad guest. It's Notre Dame. Hey, it's not. It's not called being boring. It's called being smart. That too. But uh, Notre Dame's taking this. Yeah. Do I think they're a little too high of a rank? Sure. But USC is not the team that we like to think that they are. Especially this year. Like Cole said, a lot of injuries, a lot of problems. This used to be a way better rivalry a couple years ago. A couple more years ago, I've been way more excited for this game. Especially in South Bend. South Bend's an electric crowd. Uh, great marching band. I'm not sure about as good as marching Mizzou, <laughs> but great marching band. I, I'd say they're probably better than marching Mizzou. Yeah. Those Big Ten bands are crazy awesome. They Ohio really State, are. beautiful band. Anyway, let's just move on. Upset pick of the week. Who do you have, Cole? So I was talking about my upset pick before we went on, but my upset pick is a is the Miami Hurricanes beating Virginia down in Miami. That that unranked versus twenty. You picked the Hurricanes to beat the Virginia Cavaliers. I think that's a fair bet, Jerry. Your upset pick of the week. Mine's uh, Louisville's going to take down Wake Forest. Hey, I like that. Some good ACC action. Um, Louisville, a great team. Wake Forest, also a very good team. It's going to be a fun game. I, I understand where you're coming from with Louisville win that football game. I've got Temple beating Memphis. Temple is unranked but undefeated. And the teams who they've beaten, Bucknell, a ranked Maryland. Well, um, Temple, they, they have one loss. They, have, they lost to Buffalo. So in in Buffalo though, so not bad, you know, not a bad loss there. Beat Georgia Tech and beat Eastern Carolina. Now Memphis, Memphis has been looking very good. They are undefeated, number twenty three in the nation. Wins against Ole Miss, Southern, South Alabama, Navy, and they're just coming off of an almost twenty point win over Louisiana Monroe. But this game is in Philadelphia, and I think that the Temple Owls are going to take this one. We head to break. Stay tuned. We got Mizzou Talk coming up next here on Triple Threat. You are listening to Triple Threat on KCOU 88.1 FM, Columbia. We will be right back. KCOU would like to remind you that Missouri Tiger football and basketball are brought to you by El Rancho. Catch every Mizzou football game and Mizzou men's basketball game on KCOU 88.1 FM and on KCOU.FM. While you are online, check out El Rancho's website at www.columbiamomexicanfood.com or visit them downtown at 1014 East Broadway. Thank you, El Rancho, for supporting KCOU Sports. 
My part-time service in the Army National Guard makes it possible for me to be more for the community I call home. I'm a better neighbor because my service has taught me how important it is to be a team player. My training helps me in my classes when I give attention to detail to the task at hand. My service in the Army National Guard allows me to keep my country safe from threats. Learn more about how you too can live and serve part-time by visiting NationalGuard.com. Sponsored by the Missouri Army National Guard. Aired by the Missouri Broadcasters Association and this station. Hi, this is Mac DeMarco. Thank you so much for tuning into this college radio station. I love you. And welcome back to Triple Threat here on KCOU 88.1 FM Columbia and streaming live on that TuneIn app. My name is Kyle Jones, joined by Cole Tusing, Jerry Hopkins, and we bring in our fourth member of the Tornado Tag Team match here on Triple Threat, Case Rosenberg. Case, how you doing? Pretty good, y'all. How are how is everyone here? Pretty good. We just got through college football talk um, in the you know, surrounding world, so... Just for just for all intents and purposes, you're upset with pick of the week case. I think I know what it is. Yeah, you probably do. If anyone who knows me knows that's going to be the Oklahoma Texas game, and Texas is definitely going to pull off the upset. Alrighty. So horns to win that one in Case's eyes. We'll see how that goes down. But now we shift over to the hometown crowd. Mizzou versus Ole Miss at Faro. It's homecoming. It's gonna be a fun one. And uh, frankly, I think, you know, all the stories surrounding this has nothing to do with the actual game itself. Um, The big story surrounding this game has to deal with everything that happened last week. Um, And how are the Tigers going to move on from last week? So to recap, (laughs) in case you did not tune in to Sterling and Siemens and I commentating over that football game here on this esteemed radio station. The uh, Missouri Tigers did smack the Troy Trojans 42-10, to 10, as we kind of predicted on this radio station. I, I predicted they'd get 42, and they did. Um, but uh, right at the end of the first half, Kelly Bryant was tackled in a very dirty way by Travis Salo of the Troy Trojans. And it looked like he sustained a pretty serious leg injury. Turns out it was not as serious as we thought. He will be playing just in a brace on his left knee. But the big loss, of course, was Kale Garrett. So Kale Garrett um, tore a pectoral muscle um, and then proceeded to play for the rest of the first half. He tore his pectoral muscle on on the first down of a series, wound up getting three more straight tackles in that series, and then later in the game had two interceptions, one of which was a pick six. So the guy had two interceptions, one of which was a pick six with a torn pectoral. Um, I mean, Barry Odom, in, in the uh, in, in the post-game press conference, called, called Kale Garrett the heart and soul of this football team. They're going to be without him for the rest of the year. I'm going to start with you, Jerry. What, what, what does Mizzou do without their top defensive guy? Well... The one thing that's nice is without Cole Garrett, the Mizzou defense is still pretty solid. You are losing, I think, almost six points. It's uh, it's usually what Cale Garrett brings to the table, especially this season. He has a lot of picks. I think almost three or four pick sixes. Um, I know 
either him or another Tiger have gotten a pick six um, in each of the last four games. Um, he, I know for sure, has had um, he had a pick six on on Saturday against Troy. He had the fumble recovery against um, against South, South Carolina. Carolina. And then I know I believe he got a pick six against uh, against Simo. Yeah, so that's so he, at least three straight. Yeah, so he he does bring almost uh, a good amount of points, but still, this is a good Mizzou defense. You're gonna you're losing your heart and soul though, and that's hard to do. A nice thing is they have had a week to come back and kind of work with each other on it to try to fix a little bit here and there. And you're gonna probably have your best crowd all year because it is homecoming. So you have a lot of things backing you, and if you don't have any more motivation, I think Ole Miss is a really good opponent. That really could help and is going to do we need to beat. I say we as a Mizzou fan, even I shouldn't. And um, we ha- you have to look into the fact that Ole Miss is not a bad team. They took California right to the wire. Yep. Almost could have gone into overtime. Probably should have. It should have. I mean, that, that that was a legitimate blown call, the ref said. And then they took they put 31 on Alabama. This is a good team. And a good, this would be a great win in Pharrell Field to really bolster, I think, the harder part of the schedule for Mizzou. Case Kale Garrett, obviously the the heart and soul, but one thing that came out and I saw on Twitter yesterday, Nick Bolton actually had a higher rating um, by Pro Football Focus than Kale Garrett. So, do you expect Nick Bolton to step up and you know he becomes the new heart and soul of this team? So yes, I do, and. The reasoning is because he's kind of been a dark horse throughout this whole entire season. No one really expected him to come up and be as good as he's, as he's been. I believe he has had one interception. Yes, I think you're right. And I believe that was against South Carolina. Yes, it was. He, so, he, he yeah, had, when he picked off Helensky. Yeah, he had he well, so he had the he had the Helensky pick, and then he was also the man, I believe, who swatted the ball back into Helensky's hand. When Holinsky did the weird fumble drop pass hoochmadoodle that Kale Garrett picked up for the touchdown. Yeah, I'm almost positive that was him. So no one expected Nick Bolden to even be like that good because he he's been pretty prominent in the defense, but no eyes were ever really on him because like last season it was all on Terry Beckner Jr., uh, Kale Garrett. It was all on like those main guys, and it kind of shoves everyone else to the back. So with Nick Bolden just stepping up really well and taking over like the positions on defense that the Tigers lost last year, I think that he will become like the new heart and soul of the linebacker crew for the Tigers defense solely because of how he has stepped up this season and how well he's been producing. Like I said before, no one really expected him to come out this way. Yeah, it's interesting. Cole, um... We, we talk a lot about the defense, obviously, because of the, the loss of Kale Garrett. Um, but who else do you expect to really you know, show up on Saturday? Who are you watching out for to be the, the big guy? I mean, you know, Kyle, you talk about a great point of how Nick Bowen does have a higher grade than Kale Garrett. But not only that, Nick Bowen has the highest grade of any linebacker in the SEC. Exactly. So that's another thing to consider. He has a higher grade than any linebacker at Alabama, any linebacker at Georgia, LSU. So that's something to consider. But we'll talk about this, you know, later in the show. But losing Kilgar definitely sucks. Now, who I expect to come up big? Honestly, the secondary. Yes. You're looking at your cornerbacks like Jarvis Ware, Demarcus Acey, Tyree Gillespie, Joshua Bledsoe, 
Khalil Oliver, those guys. Yeah, I think DeMarcus Acey is going to have a great game against Ole Miss. Well, he was eating a big box of fries at the shack yesterday. Um, so hopefully he's getting ready. Um, he's getting that fry motivation exactly, over there. Exactly, exactly. Yeah, he's got a, you know, he's got a, I was walking, I was walking into the studio, I walked through the shack, and there he is. I'm oh, having a good lunch. But anyway, um, I'm interested to see what, um, what Kale Garrett's, you know, for lack of a better term, replacement does. Cameron Wilkins is coming in on that on that middle linebacker spot. Against Troy, he had 13 tackles, two two TFLs. He also had a fumble recovery against Troy, so he he looked very well. Problem is, is that that you know that's against Troy, um, and it's a different it's a whole different thing between you know whooping up on Troy and whooping up on Ole Miss. Do I think they do it? Yeah, I I do. Um, this is at the moment um, still very much in Mizzou's favor. Six o'clock kickoff. It's the first time in quite some time, frankly, that Mizzou have had a nighttime kickoff. You know, um, so it'll be interesting to see how the dynamic of the squad changes now that you know we're playing under the lights. You know, we get to see lights. So I, I can't wait for that. Mizzou favored by twelve and a half right now. Um, do, do you think that's fair? I'll start with you, Jerry. I think that's a little high. I think this is going to be a one-score game. Ooh. Um, Give I, me your reasons. I really I love and hate Kelly Bryant. Uh, great, pa- He's a great runner. He gets out of a lot of situations, barely takes a lot of tackles for losses. But in return, he's an inconsistent thrower. And um, you're not going to have – you don't have the heart and soul of your defense here. Old Miss finds ways to stay in games. I, it doesn't matter who they're playing. They're in the game for the most part. The only time I would really say they weren't was against Alabama, and then they put up 31. Granted, that was early their second team. But still, Ole Miss finds ways to stay in games, so I really think this is a one-score game either way. I just have a little point to you know comment on that. So you bring up how Ole Miss did put up 31 against Alabama. South Carolina put up a similar scoreline against Alabama, then look at what Mizzou did to South Carolina. So that's just something that can That's say. a fair point. Case, uh, do you think that the do you think the the line's fair in this game? Do you think it's gonna be about twelve and a half? I think it probably will be, but I'm gonna just comment on Jerry's thing for a second. Is um, Mizzou actually even though uh, they lost to Wyoming, I was actually over there because I was reporting, and Kelly Bryant did spark a comeback. He did, and and that was like sure it was towards the end and everything, and there's some stuff that like he messed up on and there are like some missed calls and everything that should have been in the Tigers favor but instead it was in the Cowboys favor but he has the heart and soul and like the ability to really lead like he wasn't a champion at Clemson for no reason I I will I will counter with this because I do I do think Jerry is right that um accuracy is a serious issue for Kelly Bryant 94 145 is unacceptable at any level frankly um, I mean, it's just you have to, you know, be within, you know, you can't have more than 50 missed passes this early in the season. You know, completion percentage just over 50%. That is not good at all. Um, frankly, he, he's he struggled all season. He struggles against good opponents. He struggles against bad opponents. We saw him miss passes. All, you know, against South Carolina, like it was no one's business. Now, South Carolina, he had he had the worst first half his, of his life. What I will say is that the first half against Troy, when he played, that was the best half of football I've seen of any quarterback in a very long time. I mean, he was he was on the money. Um, you know, case in point, the 
Albert Okuwebin, um touchdown in the back right corner of the end zone when Kelly throws this arcing dot. Alberto reaches out his hands, grabs it, and taps a toe. I mean, that, that's that's great talent by both quarterback and receiver there. Um, I mean, the way he, you know, he turned it on against Troy. What he has to do is keep that going. Um, and I think he can. I think that it's it's not out of the stretch of the imagination to say, you know, after he gets one, you know, good day, he gets another. My question is, he, he relies a lot on his legs. He rolls out of the pocket. He's a very mobile guy. Is this injury going to affect him? Are we going to see a more pocket-passing Kelly Bryant at least this week, but maybe even as the season continues? Cole, do you think the, the legs of Kelly Bryant, which had been quite an asset for this team, is that no longer an option? So I do think he's definitely going to you know, tone down a little bit on the running out of the pocket a little bit. He's, I think he's going to be more of a check down, you know, mid-range type of quarterback, especially against Ole Miss this week. But, you know, I guess my take on this game, Ole Miss is a very strong running back team, and Mizzou is typically a pretty strong defense at stopping the run. Mizzou is going to be played at home. It's going to be a night game. You know, you talk about how it's going to be homecoming. There's going to be a big crowd. And if you take a look at this, Mizzou is ranked... 27 the AP top 25 poll. If Mizzou gets a win here, oh, easy they will be 25. ranked. Easy top 25 if they win here. You're right on run on rush defense. Mizzou only allowing 88.8 yards per game. Um, interestingly enough, though, um, I, I do want to point this out, um, is that um, Mizzou's defense, you know, we talk about Kale Garrett and whatnot. The defense has 35 um, they have 35 t- uh, points scored this season. They've only allowed 31. So I mean, you know, when when you're, when your defensive unit scoring more points than they're allowing, I mean, it's a great sign. Um, final thoughts on this one before we head to break. Um, Jerry, you start. Um, I hope that Kelly Bryant's knee injury does not make him as mes- less mobile. I think that's the best part of his game. So uh, if he is less mobile, it's going to be harder for Mizzou to come out with this game. Case. Um, I think that Kelly, despite like the knee injury, will actually still be around the same with mobility, maybe like a little less. Because when you think about Drew Locke, Drew Locke has been playing with the knee brace like practically his whole entire time at Mizzou. And he still was pretty mobile when he got the opportunity. That's true. Cool. It sucks to lose Kale Garrett, especially the year he's been having so far, but this is not the worst possible scenario. And Kelly Bryant, you talk about how he's not able to lead the team. He's led the team, and the that offense is built around him, and he's a much better quarterback that I would rather have than Taylor Powell. So and I think Mizzou is going to cover the spread, so I think they're going to win by 14. All righty, I like that prediction. I say Mizzou by 14. I think that uh, Kelly Bryant's going to have himself another good game, and the defense is still going to step up. When we come back, NFL here on Triple Threat on KCOU, so stay tuned. Be t-shirts for your charity event or jerseys for your intramural team, one-to-one print shop can handle your custom apparel needs. If you need inspiration crafting a design, you can follow them on Facebook and Instagram at one-to-one print shop to check out some of their latest work. You can also visit their website at one-to-one-printshop.com. That's O-N-E-T-O-O-N-E printshop.com. Are you ready for some high-octane talk? 
Do you live for the thrill of fast cars and close vendors? Then tune in to Burnin' Rubber every Thursday morning at 8 a.m. on KCOU 88.1 FM. Join Hal Estep and myself, Sterling Siemens, as we discuss the latest in NASCAR, IndyCar, Formula One, and other racing series from around the world. Don't miss the Can't Miss Motorsports Talk Show of Mizzou Student Radio, Burnin' Rubber, Thursdays at 8 a.m. on KCOU 88.1 FM, Columbia. Indoor baseball, anyone? Most party fouls are pretty dumb, but if you decide to drink and drive underage, you could lose your license and your freedom. Learn more at ultimatepartyfoul.org. Brought to you by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration and the Ad Council. Triple Threat here on KCOU 88.1 FM Columbia. Chance Sticklin out today with sickness. We've put him on the IR and we brought in two replacements. Sounds a bit unfair, but that's okay. I'm Kyle Jones, joined by Colt Tuss. We've got Jerry Hopkins, one of our guests, and Case Rosenberg, our other guest. So I guess today you could call it Quadruple Threat. But big fun on that as we get into some NFL talk. Three pretty fun games uh, well, more than three, but two we want to talk about. Texans, Chiefs, Eagles, Vikings, um, and then there's a whole lot more to get into. Honestly, I think Saints-Jaguars is going to be a really fun match. Um, as well as, of course, the uh, the matchup tonight, Giants-Pats. So let's get into it. We'll start out with, uh, with the hometown boys, Texans and Chiefs. Um, and, and frankly, I mean... Yeah, Patrick Mahomes didn't have the greatest game against the Colts. Uh, the the, the, the Mahomes had a limp, so you got to give him a little bit of leeway. Um, and, and on top of that, I mean, the Colts had a good game plan. Uh, credit, credit to the Colts. Do I think the Texans can do the same thing? Absolutely not. Um, Bill O'Brien is the coach of the Texans, so game plans don't exist. Um, do, I, do I think Deshaun Watson has a good day for the Texans? Yeah. Do the, does the defense have a good day? No. Um, JJ, JJ Watt might step on the field and say hello, but uh, is he going to sack Patrick Mahomes? Maybe once. Um, Cole, do, do, do you think this goes any way other than the Chiefs? I mean, considering this game is also being played in Arrowhead, so that's obviously also not going to be in Houston's favor. So honestly, give me the Chiefs here, even though Mahomes did have a not-so-great game last week. but He got his ankle stepped on. I mean, you're the MVP. Yeah, exactly. You, you, there's a reason you're the cover star of Madden 20. It's kind of like when Nadam Kitsu, um stepped on Matt Schaub's thigh. Yeah, kind of. But but Matt Schaub is a bad quarterback, and and Patrick Mahomes is not a bad quarterback. Hey, Matt Schaub did a thing once. Uh, he didn't even win the playoff game. That was TJ Yates. Yates. Exactly. Uh, 
tech, this is really easy, Chiefs. But I'm really, I'm going to be excited to watch uh, Deshaun Watson after the game tell me how good the Chiefs' defense is in his uh, 60 second breakdown of every defense he plays. Yeah, I mean, honestly, though, I, I love that. I love that he breaks in that. I think it's, I think it's really cool. Um, we don't get a lot, we don't get it a lot from quarterbacks. You don't see Tom Brady breaking down the coverage patterns of you know the Buffalo Bills. I mean, to be fair, it's because that O line for Houston's so bad, so he's got to talk about yeah, something. Yeah, he, he has, he has to. You know, to, you know it's not like the O line's making it. He reads. He's the one that has to address the coverage. And it's not like Bill O'Brien's doing it. So, you know. Bill O'Brien, the head coach, the GM. Oof. Big oof. Yeah. You know, and the problem is as, as long as the Texans still keep winning the AFC South, which, I mean, they're still in a pretty good position to do, Bill O'Brien's not getting, not going to lose his job. But we move on to tonight's game. Giants-Pats. Um, seems like a foregone conclusion to me. Uh, Saquon Barkley out, Tom Brady in, so is Julian Edelman, so is, you know, the entire Patriots defense. Um, Case, I know you're a Giants fan. Um, Bad news? Very. Um, When Daniel Jones loses his top running back, his top wide receiver, his top tight end, uh, you really don't have a chance bearing some weird miracle um, unless some like weird David Tyree catch comes up with some like random wide receiver, then like I really don't know like what's going to happen. But I think the Patriots are going to like completely obliterate, especially because it's um, in uh, New England. Yeah, big sad for Giants fans. Y'all are gonna y'all are gonna get destroyed. Um, Still worth watching though. Cole, Jerry, any any conflicting opinions? I mean, this game is not going to be fun. When the Giants lose Saquon, they lost their backup Wayne Gatman, they lost Sterling Shepard, they lost Elvin Ingram. You have Daniel Jones as your quarterback going up against Tom Brady. The Patriots defense is going to have a field day tonight. That's why I started them so in fantasy football. So give the Patriots by at least 28. Um, <laughs> what, would you rather have, like, Eli starting than honestly, Daniel Jones? Honestly, I would rather have Eli. Yeah, I'd rather have Eli this week because I, don't I, want rem- Daniel Jones getting I remember when Daniel Jones was drafted and how all the Giants fans for two days on Twitter – the trend was fire Gettleman. Okay, look, like, of course, I didn't want Daniel Jones to get drafted by the Giants. I really wholeheartedly, like, no bias right now. I think that Drew Locke would have done a lot better. But, like, I definitely would have rather had Eli Manning, obviously. Eli Manning knows how to defeat the Patriots. Eli Manning's done it twice in a Super Bowl. I, I, I'd start Eli Manning this week. If nothing else... You- you, you got no you got no chance of winning so why have Daniel Jones in there when the best thing the, the you know the, the the thing and this is a big one if, if you got injuries across the board that that sounds like a bug man you don't want Daniel Jones catching that and he's about to you know he's about to get spanked I honestly would, Eli's probably let, gonna come in let in Eli, let Eli get spanked you know don't take Danny out of that situation it's a that's a toxic area for him. Uh, next game to talk about Eagles Vikings. Um, this is actually really fun because I don't know who's going to win this football game. I think it's going to be the Vikings, but the Eagles are good. They are. Um, I think it's just going to be the Vikings, despite Kirk Cousins trying to make it the other way around. Um, I just I really like the Vikings. Uh, they just they find ways to just get enough out of most of their games, except with the Bears. So I. Just by a slim margin, I think the Vikings win it. They do have a pretty solid defense. Um, if Kirk Cousins decides not to throw it right to the green, I think they're okay. I would agree. Anyone else? I'll Any- take the Eagles here. You know, be devil's advocate. I think Kirk Cousins is not a good quarterback. 
Of course, you know, the whole issue is going with Stefan Diggs, Adam Thielen. Shio Dalvin Cook is a pretty good running back, but give me the Eagles here. All righty. So we do have an Eagle. Interesting. Which Very sucks to say as a Bears fan. Here's a fun one. Rams Niners in Los Angeles. Niners still undefeated. Rams are kind of faltering, y'all. Um, and I I genuinely take the Niners here. I don't know. I I, it's, like, it's hard. I, it's a hard I can one. never take the Niners. It's, it's so difficult it's to take the hard. Niners. I know it's hard, but Jimmy G's been working. That that offense that that offense has been working, and not only that, the defense is actually a functioning unit. Meanwhile, the Rams have seemed to not have any answers to their struggles lately. I I, I take the I take the Niners here. I, I have to take the Rams. I can't trust the 49ers. I mean, it, They're just—it's the, like I can't tell if it's—I it's, want to say fluke because we're getting later into the season, but it's hard to really to for me to go. Yeah, the Rams are definitely losing. I mean, it, it is a fluke. I mean, no, no, no. Take a, let's, let's take a look at the season though. It's let's not take a look. Two. Let's take a look at the 49ers schedule. So you beat the Buccaneers and Tampa Bay by 14. Buccaneers, Buccaneers just beat the Saints in a very strong, and they smacked them. I mean, to be fair, the Saints were out without. Drew Brees. Didn't matter against it didn't matter against Seattle. I mean didn't. so the very next week they play in Cincinnati against the Bengals. Uh, it's the Bungles, so you know that makes sense. <laughs> they play against the very dysfunctional Steelers. And they won. They did their job. And they played against the overhyped Baker Mayfield Browns. And they smacked them. It's it's not like it's not like they just skirted out a win against the Browns. They smacked the Browns silly. They haven't played any top competition, so I can't take the 49ers. I just you, you, there's a not, huge asterisk with that undefeated record for me. Is, okay, if they if they win the if they win on Sunday against the Rams, you taking them seriously? Yes. If they beat the Rams, especially in LA, I will start to take them seriously. Start. Oh my. All righty. One last game to talk about before we head back over and then again uh, to what's your take. Uh, Saints Jags Saints I still think are good but my god Garner Minshew and DJ Chark are surprising and scary and uh, might win Um, and that's I'm 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 taking the Saints here I'm taking the Saints I think Teddy Bridgewater still good that the rest of that team still good but don't be surprised if Garner Minshew shows up and kicks butt yeah, I'm still taking the Saints. I really, I've been high on Teddy Bridgewater. I think he's a really good backup. I really wish the Bears had him, um, but I, I do like Arnie Minshew, but not enough to take away from that an offense even without Drew Brees. It's the Saints. It's still the Saints, one way or the other. Case, are you on Minshew mania, or do you think that Teddy and the boys are going to pull it out? Definitely Teddy, and I think what I love about um, Bridgewater is also he's finally getting his opportunity because he's always been played by injuries, and he is capitalizing on it, and no one really expected him to even be able to like function in the NFL after all of his multiple injuries, so I'm going to take Bridgewater. Cole, Bridgewater? I'm going to take the Saints as well. Not about Bridgewater, not about the Jags and how it's going to be played in Jacksonville, pretty much just because of the Saints having... Michael Thomas and Alvin Kamara on that offense, so give me the Saints here. I think that's fair. We're going to take one more break. When we come back, what's your take? So stay tuned. You're listening to Triple Threat on KCOU 88.1 FM Columbia, streaming live on the TuneIn app. Hi, I'm Chris Mitchell. You know, that one guy from the one show. Don't you hate it when you're listening to the radio and not once do you hear anyone talk about video games for extended periods of time?
Introducing Quarter Circle Backboard, a solo show dedicated to the sports that you like and the video games that I like. Catch me, myself, and I every Friday from 11 to midnight to hear me chop it up about things like Street Fighter tournaments, the NFL Draft, Red Dead Redemption, and hoops. Jumper is short. Okay, now the fight breaks up between Kobe Bryant and Chris Childs. Chris Childs punched him twice. What could possibly go wrong? If you love them enough to sit through their favorite boy band with them, then surely you'll check NHTSA.gov slash the right seat to make sure they're correctly buckled in the back seat. Brought to you by the National Highway Traffic Safety Administration and the Ad Council. Join me, Garrett Jones, for one of these nights, a solo podcast-style sports talk show covering the weirdest and wackiest of sports history. I take a deep dive into the old and noteworthy of Mizzou and all four major professional sports. Stick around for the second hour to unwind with the best of classic rock from the 60s, 70s, 80s, and 90s. I'm on Sunday nights recording live from 8 to 10 p.m. on KCU 88.1 FM and KCU.FM in the Blue Box. It's also on Spotify and Apple Music if you ever miss a show. It's one of these nights, the perfect way to end your weekend. Threat here on KCOU 88.1 FM Columbia. It's time for what you take here on Triple Threat. And what you take for this week, we're going to try to keep this as like toned down as possible because I don't want to get into any too deep of stuff. Um, but the big kind of sports related thing that happened this week. Uh, regards Daryl Morey of the Houston Rockets, who uh, might have started one of the biggest geopolitical economic battles in, in months. Um, all because of a tweet. <laughs> Tweets out a, uh, a picture uh, saying, you know, fight for freedom, stand with Hong Kong. Uh, we don't have nearly enough time to break down the political situation in Hong Kong, but let's just say China was not happy. And China is a major, you know, the Chinese government and the Chinese market big time partners with the NBA uh, and cut a lot of ties with the NBA uh, and, and the Chinese government may have uh, may have temporarily or maybe permanently we don't know yet, uh, banned the Houston Rockets um, from the country um, Houston Rockets were was the, the, the biggest team in China um, you know it, it, was, it was huge uh, like you know for um most of their alternate jerseys, the Rockets would have Chinese characters on their jerseys. Um, Yao Ming really fostered that relationship. But, you know, the, the Rockets were one of the biggest teams in China, and now that relationship has been severed. Um, I am all for free speech. Frankly, I think that Daryl Morey is in the right. Um, but more than that, 
Do you think, in a word, this whole situation was handled correctly by anybody? Jerry, you go first. Uh, no, this has been all over the place, but this is just a sobering reminder that the NBA is an entertainment business, and when you partner with people, sometimes you don't always have the same views, and that's what's really the biggest problem here is that the NBA and China have a big business relationship. So to go against something they may believe in is tough. And as much as, and the NBA kind of took a really weird stance that we can't monitor our speech, and I understand why. They kind of said in the neutral, like, we're not part of this. But overall, you just have, it just reminds people that this is still a business, and sports are great, and sports can bring people together, but a lot of people do this for money. And it's hard to say that. It's hard to remember that. But this is where a lot of that's from. Case, was this handled correctly at all? Um, honestly, I really don't know. It's like kind of a 50-50 type of thing. I think China was actually overreacting. But then again, what do you expect from China? Yeah, fair enough. Cool. So what Daryl Murray did was honestly an embarrassment. Because, wow. I'll, I'll, well, I'll, I'll, I'll get into it myself later. So I'll, I'll give my take. So first of all, you bring up a great point of how China is huge in the NBA, the huge in the basketball scene, Yao Ming for China was basically like the Derek Jeter to the Yankees or what Derek Rose was to the Bulls, you know, a few years back. And considering the NBA preseason is going on right now, especially in China, you talk about how, you know, there's a lot of brand do- deals with like LeBron James, Dwayne Wade, Chris Bosh, when that big three in the Miami was, you know, back in the day with, when China was, they t- played all the preseason games in China, like, it's just not a bad look, and it came at the worst possible time, if I'm, in my opinion. Here's, and I'll give my take on this. China has been committing, frankly, uh, human rights abuses um, in Hong Kong. Um, Hong Kong protesters had started out peaceful. They did not get violent until the Chinese government sent militaristic people in to, you know, make it violent, frankly. Um they're fighting not for independence. They're not fighting to break away from China. They just want to have their voice heard. They want democracy, which, frankly, like, that's the most American value. And I'm very surprised that an American company doesn't stand with Daryl Morey's stance. Was the timing bad? I mean, yeah. Um, but when was the timing going to be right? Um, and I'm going to say Daryl Morey was in the right. I'm going to say it's cowardly by the NBA to frankly throw him under the bus like they did. If I'm the NBA, I stand more with freedom and being on the right side of history than I do making an extra dollar. But that's the end of what your take. Um, we're going to do a quick fire, quick fire favorite moment in sports. Um, I'm going to start because I really like the Nats. I really like the Nats hitting the grand slam last night to be the Dodgers. Most because I really don't like the Dodgers. Um, and I'm glad they're out of the playoffs. Jerry. Mine was Ben Simmons saying a three and the internet completely overreacting. It was yes. amazing. I love the collages where they have great sports moments. And one of them is Ben Simmons is, I think that was the best moment this week. It was hilarious. Uh, I hate Philly, but go Ben Simmons. Case. Honestly, like the whole entire WNBA like, oh, yeah. finals, it's going to be like an amazing game tonight. Game five, like let's go. Cool. I mean, you know, obviously talking about Ben Simmons hitting that three was crazy, but my favorite moment was Zion Williamson stepped on that court throwing some dunks, even though it was against my Chicago Bulls. Hey, man, Zion's going to be fun. That's all we got for this week of trip.
if Cole wants to let me finish my sentence, that's all we got for Triple Threat here on KCOU. Thanks for tuning in. We'll be here same time, same place next week. So join us then. Thanks for tuning in to Triple Threat here on KCOU 88.1 FM, KCOU.FM, and on that TuneIn app. Have a wonderful rest of your week, and we will see you, or I guess talk to you, next Thursday. Tune in to Triple Threat on KCOU 88.1 FM. Catch Kyle Jones. And so then he said, all right, well, I can't wear my helmet. I'm not playing. Chance Sticklin. I think that Bama every single year is the best college football team. And Cole Tusi. If Trubisky can get it done, the Bears will win a Super Bowl. He's the key. Tune in every Thursday morning from 11 to noon only on KCOU.